This is Witness Radio with Ryan Muniak, where you learn biblical evangelism from real-life encounters. Hey there, welcome to Witness Radio, the show where you learn how to share your faith the right way, the biblical way, by listening to real-life witnessing encounters and hearing from experts in biblical evangelism. I'm your host, Ryan Muniak, and just so you know, you can leave feedback by calling 513-900-8070, or you can email us, find us on social media, Facebook and Twitter, and our website is witnesstalkradio.org. And I also encourage you to subscribe to Witness Radio on your favorite podcast app. This episode of Witness Radio is brought to you by Audible. I know you like listening to stuff because you're listening to me right now. So go to witnesstalkradio.org slash audible and sign up for a free audiobook and 30-day trial today. That clip that you just heard was taken live at a resist Trump rally that went on back in January, right after he was elected and took office and all that. And it was put on by a socialist student group. And I got to thinking, why in the world are socialists or people who claim to be socialists getting so up in arms over Trump? and getting so up in arms in general. I mean, sure, their their guy, Bernie Sanders, lost the political race, but don't blame Trump, blame Hillary. She's the one that rigged the election to get him booted out of there, right? Anyway, so I thought it would be interesting to kind of delve into socialism a little bit and kind of see why it is becoming so popular in America, of all nations, as of late. Why is socialism so popular right now, especially among the younger generation, where, which is who I'm normally evangelizing on the college campus? Well, to start off, maybe you're thinking, I don't even know what socialism is. Well, I've got an answer for you, according to Merriam-Webster's dictionary, and they say that socialism is a system of society or group living in which there is no private property, it says that they are a economic and political theory advocating collective or governmental ownership and administration of production and distribution of goods, and, if you take it to its logical conclusion, it's a society in which Marxist theory transitions between capitalism and communism, and eventually it goes to communism. It's typically distinguished by unequal distribution of goods and pay, according to work done. So, After hearing the actual definition of socialism by the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, why is anybody rooting for this thing? Why do people love socialism all of a sudden? It's because they're being lied to. My first clip for today is not an interview, a witnessing clip, but it's actually the opening speech from the socialist guy that was getting all the students rallied up. I want you to listen closely to what he's saying, because if you'll notice, it's all about giving people stuff, and it doesn't talk at all about how you're going to give your stuff to the government. Ladies and gentlemen, today I am here at the University of Cincinnati. There is a uh, resist Trump protest going on. It's 
being put on by the socialist students and socialist alternative. Walking around here, there's all kinds of uh, students out here. There are so many students. I would say at least a couple hundred. Yeah, everybody kind of on the ends in the back. Just bring it in a little bit so you can hear it. Looks like it's getting ready to start here. Today, 
we have to challenge ourselves to accept the different definition of politics. A collective vision of politics that doesn't simply amount to voting in a ballot box every four years, but begins when we join forces today to fight for a socialist vision of a future society. Right after Trump's election on November 8th, we mobilized 40,000 people throughout this country from Boston to Chicago to, to Washington, all over this country, Seattle, um, to join this fight and begin this mass movement against his agenda. And we hold this rally today to begin that movement on campus and on campuses all throughout this country where thousands of students are walking out of class, thousands of students are participating in rallies just like this in every city in this country. Um, so to open it up to our first uh, speaker, I just want to go over a few ground rules. We have, uh, we have seven speakers on this program today, and all that we ask is that you be respectful of their time, their voices, and their contributions. Uh, we're, we're simply not going to handle if somebody has come here with the intent of being antagonistic, with the intent of, of directly detracting from people, and starting you know, these, these political fights and debates. Today is not necessarily the space for that. So I want to just make sure that if, if, you, if you came here with that consideration, and surely some people have, there's one right there, <laughs> really consider why you're out here, right? And challenge yourself to, to open your mind to the ideas and perspectives that are being uh, put down on the table today. In uh, other words, said, no free speech. Perhaps as you were as disruptive or antagonistic, please find one of our marshals. We have, I think, four or five marshals throughout the crowd. They're wearing green vests. Um, and they'll help engage and de-escalate any situations that might arise. Okay, now, the best part of this guy's speech is the fact that he's using free speech to promote socialism. Want to know what is not allowed in socialism? Free speech. And the kicker is that he's using that free speech to tell others not to use free speech against him. That is socialism. You can use free speech as long as you don't talk bad against those who gave you free speech. That's not free speech. You're listening to Witness Radio. Do you enjoy listening to Witness Radio? Would you like to help us continue making great content for you? Then please visit witnesstalkradio.org slash audible and sign up for a free 30-day trial of Audible. You'll get a free audiobook of your choice and you'll be supporting this show. Need a suggestion? How about Raising Godly Children in an Ungodly World by Ken Ham and Steve Ham? It doesn't cost you a dime, but it's a huge help to us, and you get a free audiobook out of the deal. So go to witnesstalkradio.org slash audible and start your free trial today. Imagine Jesus walking onto your local college campus. What would he say? Would he be like Matthew chapter 9, seeing the people harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd? And say, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. At Christian Collegiate Network, we are sending workers into the harvest. We are training students how to proclaim the glorious gospel. If you want to support our ministry at Christian Collegiate Network by becoming a campus leader or financially, go to changeyourcampus.com. Hey, hey! Oh, oh. Racism has got to go! Hey, hey! Oh, oh. Racism has got to go! Hey, hey! Oh, oh. Racism has got to go! Hey, hey! Oh, oh. Racism has got to go! Hey, hey! Oh, o
uh, a man in a Trojan warrior outfit just showed up. And I will admit, he has to be cold. That guy's got some guts. It's uh, getting weirder and weirder out here, I think. I, I don't think that's the weirdest we're going to see by the end of this today. That guy's got to be cold. One thing I noticed while I was in the midst of this resist Trump pro-socialism rally on the college campus was that they were very focused on not necessarily socialism, but social activism. And I think that is what is appealing to the younger generation is they want to be social activists. They want to fight the good fight. They want to right the wrongs of the uppity-ups in the government that are keeping them down. That's the appeal. And it's a lie, because while that may be where they start, eventually, the uppity-ups, the government that they're fighting against, they're going to give all their power and resources and stuff over to them, which is what they're fighting against. It, it, it's a vicious cycle where nobody wins. But they're not looking at the long-term results of socialism. They're looking at the immediate gains, the improving of your life that they are promising. It's almost like modern Christianity, where it says, Oh, we'll give you health, wealth, prosperity. We'll give you all these wonderful things. You just got to believe in Jesus. Well, let's replace Jesus with government or socialism. We'll give you all these wonderful things. Health, wealth, prosperity, free, free health care, free college. $15 an hour? All you got to do is believe in socialism. You see, you see the problem there? They're, they're doing the same, the same shtick that other hucksters are doing to get people behind them. So all of these students and others are believing this lie, where the reality is, the truth is, socialism hands all of the control, all of the resources, all of the stuff to the government, willingly. And you say... Government, will you please distribute all of our stuff equally to everybody? And when the government has everything, they are not obligated to give you anything. That's the problem with socialism, and it leads to communism. If you don't know what communism is, think of the Nazis, okay? They were the socialist party in Germany. They went to communism. They went to the logical conclusion. And I found this clip online from Prager University that seems to really give a real-world explanation of what socialism is. Give it a listen. Democratic socialism. It's not the same as socialism socialism, because it's democratic, right? Or something, right? People are buying that. People buy that now, right? Apparently. As though adding the word democratic in front of a word changes what it means. Just because we toss something to a vote doesn't change what that something is, nor does it alter whether that something is inherently good or bad. Couple of examples, because I know you'll ask, Hamas was democratically elected as the government in Gaza, despite the fact that the destruction of not only Israel, but the eradication of all Jews is in their official charter. Robert Mugabe, or Bobby Mugabe if you prefer, was democratically elected by a loving majority in Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe, how's that working out? Venezuela? 
Well, Hugo Chavez noted personal favorite and friend of Sean Penn, to whom he constantly pointed as being unfairly characterized as a dictator when in fact he was democratically elected as a socialist. Well, how'd that work out for Venezuela? Well, it's now on the brink of collapse, despite it being one of the most resource-rich nations in the entire world. Basic things like eggs, milk, flour, and toilet paper are either too expensive for the average Venezuelan or simply out of stock. Out of stock, mind you, democratically. I know, some of you will say, well, that's not fair because really we knew all along it technically was a dictatorship. Okay, that's fair. Let's move on to example number two. Denmark? Okay, here's the time where you point to an entirely homogenous population about 1 60th the size of America's and you point to that as the blueprint. Okay, let's go there. This is a place where the middle class can't even afford a car because of the 180% new car tax. And the prime minister was so fed up with Americans pointing to it as a beacon for socialist success that he felt compelled to clarify, I would like to make one thing clear. Denmark is far from a socialist planned economy. Denmark is a market economy. Sweden, I love Sweden. Okay, great bikini team, and thanks to that country, my armor now doubles as a bookcase. Speaking of which, the founder of IKEA, let's be honest, the only really cool export from Sweden, aside from a few good hockey players, left Sweden because of the stifling high tax rate. So, Sweden, good place, not bad people, but a successful model for a viable economy in today's global market? Incorrect. The fact is that over time, the greatest enemy of socialism is reality. The reality that human nature will invariably pull certain people toward individualism and success and others toward laziness and collectivism. The tension between the makers and the takers always, always leads to socialism's inevitable collapse. But I know that I can give you examples of failed socialist economies until I'm blue in the face and you won't care. Because at least socialism is inherently more morally altruistic than the evil, greedy, capitalist, warmongering seen in the West. Greed? What's more greedy than wanting to take from someone else something that you haven't earned? Unlike capitalism, free enterprise, which can only occur truly through voluntary transaction, socialism can only occur at gunpoint. That's what it comes down to. If you don't pay your taxes, once you get through the IRS and the auditing and the lawyers and the PR stunts, People make you give the government your money, increasing amount of your money, the more successful you are, or they send in scary men with guns to take you away. Now, so long as the people having their stuff taken away at gunpoint are in the minority, and the majority feels that they'll get to benefit from more said taken stuff, you'll always be able to win that decision through a popular vote and claim the moral high ground through democracy. Putting the word Democratic in front of your socialism doesn't make it any inherently more moral nor less violent. Did you get that? American wannabe socialists also get a job. Please, like a real job. You'll probably have to shake first. I'm Steven Crowder for Prager University. Okay, so real quick, before we get to our witnessing clip, I want to share with you something that the Bible actually says against socialism. You ready for it? It comes from 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. It says, If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Which basically means, if you're not going to work for it, you're not going to get it. If you don't go out and fish, you're not going to eat. That is the problem with socialism. is People don't want to work for what they want to get. They just want everything given to them. And that is a serious problem. 
The children of Lima, Peru face many difficulties. Hunger, neglect, abuse, and most importantly, a lack of the gospel. Heart of Christ Ministry seeks to bring the gospel and to fulfill the other needs of the children. Please consider partnering with us. You can sponsor a child for just $25 a month, and there are many other ways to help. Please visit hofcm.org. You know you should read your Bible every day, but things just seem to get in the way. How would you like it if someone else did the reading for you? Bible 365 is a new podcast that reads your daily dose of scripture for you. There's no annoying chapter breaks to distract you or personal commentary to confuse you. Just listen to God's Word on Bible 365 and you'll get through the whole Bible in one year. Go to muniacfamily.com slash Bible 365 or find Bible 365 on your favorite podcast app. Now let's get on to the interview. Today's witnessing clip is with John, a student at the University of Cincinnati. He was actually up there giving a little speech himself, but I don't have that audio. I do have this interview with John. He claims to be a Christian, but there were some definite areas that I was concerned about. So listen closely and see if you spot any red flags. So, John, you were just up there. You gave a little speech uh, talking about uh, loving people, not hating people. Uh, you shared a little bit of your personal story, uh, how you are half Middle Eastern and how you uh, were raised basically a, a, like a military brat, right? Yes, sir. Okay. And uh, had some struggles in your life with, with dealing with all of that. And, you know, the one thing that you kept saying was... was to love, not hate, love, not hate. Yes. What would you say is the greatest act of love that someone could do for another person? Well, that's a little complicated because everyone has a different view in like different situations, it's different things, but basically just honestly caring for everyone. And even if you don't agree, sometimes you have to give them a second chance. It takes some people a while to realize that we're all equal. And at the same time, as all of them are like saying uh, love trumps hate, they are still technically hating on the opposing side. So they're both in the wrong. And I'm just here trying to say love everyone and you will be happy. So what, what would be, would you say the most tangible way to express that, that love or that uh, to show that love for others. Just smiling, talking to them in calm voice and showing that you're listening and that you're there for them if they ever need you. Um, what about, uh, you know, what, what are your personal views regarding uh, our new president, Donald Trump? I do think he's, he's a little racist, well, a little bit more than a little racist. Uh, he has some wrong opinions, but what's done is done and I hate to say that but like he is our president so instead of trying to fight it we just have to find try to find a way to like live with it in the best way possible and um, where do you uh, get your mentality from like you know the, the love everybody don't hate where, where do you get that that basis from is it a religious basis or anything like that uh, it's more of like a morality thing. I was bullied when I was a kid because, like, 
when I was at school, they'd be like, oh, he's a, the Muslim kid and I was fat. And then when I went to the mosque with my grandmother, they'd be like, oh, you're not full Muslim. So it didn't matter where I went, I was bullied until one day I just figured I got to find people like me. We'll all love each other. And then maybe if I keep trying to love everyone, it'll spread around and it'll make the world a better place one day, hopefully. At least, at least as much as I can make it. Okay. Um, I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Uh, what... What do you think will be the end result of a society that doesn't uh, display love um, in, in the way that you are trying to portray it? Well, there's multiple ways. I would definitely say it would end up in a huge conflict between like the oppressed and the ones in charge. But... Um, it really depends on which side is victorious in that battle because you know each side has their own views but if there was no love in the world it would just be a dull place where no one was happy there was really nothing to live for you just woke up did what you're supposed to and went back to sleep would you say it is would you say that people are able to have a difference of opinion or disagree with one another yet still show love to those people that they disagree with oh yeah completely like i have a bunch of friends that are trump supporters i voted for hillary myself but i have friends that are trump supporters and we hang out all the time i have uh friends from israel because my family's from lebanon and usually those two collide you know like with gaza strip and everything i have friends from palestine israel we all get along because we all know that there is a war going on between like two factions, but we're not the ones who started it and we're sure not going to finish fighting each other for someone else and a problem we didn't even create. It's interesting that you bring that up. Uh, I would be part of a, a third faction in that conflict uh, people group uh, because I'm, I'm a born-again Christian. You know, I, I believe in, in Jesus Christ and that he was the savior of the world. Uh, what are your thoughts regarding uh, the religious uh, aspect uh, in the Middle East? Do you, do you think there's one group that's got it right, whereas others aren't right? Or do you think everyone's got it okay? Um, honestly, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a non-denominational Christian myself. And so I believe in Jesus and him dying on the cross for our sins. Um, but I do respect other religions. Now, uh, on who's right and who's wrong, I really have no room to like say which one I think. But I do believe there's some wrong in both of them if it's going to help have them continue. And religions that are supposed to spread love, if they're still going to fight with each other, even if it's over land. It's just a piece of ground that was made by God for all of us. And they're just fighting over one little spot of it instead of loving each other so i'm gonna say that both of them are in the wrong like not like in their beliefs but like their actions upon their beliefs um so now also with being a born-again christian i know that uh one thing jesus said was that he is the only way to get to heaven he's the only way to the father do you think that is true or do you think that other religions can also uh, have their sin forgiven or, or get to heaven through their own means. I believe all religions have a chance because you know God created us all equal and 
it may seem different, but I have like a small, it's going to sound crazy. I'm not a conspiracist or anything, but I have a small feeling that their versions are basically the same as ours. But since we're like put apart and there's always competition with uh, humanity that they might just be like, oh, well, ours is different than yours and ours is right. But like, if you look at the Arabic language, when like Allah means God. So like whenever you see him, like the joke people make with like terrorists when they say Allah Akbar, that just means God who grows in everyone, as in like everyone's believing in him, the one who takes care of us and loves us. And I guess now that term has been put to shame, but I believe everyone has a chance in heaven. And from your personal beliefs, how does someone, or how could someone get to heaven? Don't, don't, don't sin. Uh, <laughs> how are you doing on that one? <laughs> uh, well, I need to fix up my language a little bit. Every once in a while I get in a, an argument with people and I let loose, but I'm working on that one slowly. I'm getting there. Uh, I will admit that I, I do sin and I'm working on it, but uh, yeah, just don't sin. Treat everyone as you treat yourself and love and care for one another because we're all children of God. Well, now see, you say we're all children of God, but that contradicts the Bible that says that uh, we are children of wrath and children of the devil until uh, we have been born again and adopted by God into his family. Then we are children of God. John, I want to encourage you to uh, read your Bible. When, when was the last time you read your Bible? Oh, it's, it's, it's been a minute. It's been a while. Yeah. Well, that, that's not good because yeah. that, that's God's word. That's how he speaks to, to us. Uh, but read the Bible every day, even if it's, you know, one chapter a day, just so that you know what God is like, who, who God is. You know, there's, the Bible talks about how there are a lot of false gods, idols, and they won't save you. They won't get you into heaven. But it says that idolaters will actually spend eternity in a lake of fire, a place called hell. And it's not a place I want anyone to go. Yeah. Right? Uh, you know, I, I think that's, if someone were to ask me a question that I asked you earlier, what is the greatest act of love that someone could do? I would say that was what Jesus did when he came to this earth, lived a perfect life, never sinned once, and then died on the cross, not because he sinned, not because he deserved it, but because you and I and everybody else deserved it. And then he rose from the grave, defeating death and offering us eternal life if we turn from our sin nature and put our trust in him and what he did on that cross. And, you know, the Bible says that's the only way that people can get to heaven is if they put their trust in Jesus and what he did on the cross. He paid for your sin and he says you can be forgiven of it if you turn away from it and trust in him and in him alone. All right, very quickly, three things I want to bring up regarding my interview with John. One, the land that the Palestinians and Israelites are fighting over is not for everyone. If he were to have read his Bible, he would find out that the land is promised to Israel. Number two, Allahu Akbar really means God is the greatest. And when they're talking about God, they're not talking about the Christian God, the Hindu gods, the Mormon God. They're talking about the Muslim God, Allah, that's saying their God is number one. And that goes against Christianity. They don't mix. And lastly, number three, if you claim to be a Christian, you better 
know your Bible. Now, does that mean you need to know every single verse? No, but you need to know at least the general idea of what it teaches. For example, when I brought up that Jesus is the only way, he should know that if he's a Christian. We want to give an answer for the hope that lies within us with gentleness and respect. But at the same time, when we come across someone who appears to be a false convert, we need to guide them towards the scriptures. We need to show them where the truth is. Don't just get into an argument or don't go pointing fingers and condemning people saying, you're not a Christian, man. Do it gently with respect. I'm not saying you can't tell him he's not a Christian, but I'm saying do it gently as the Bible tells us to do it with respect. You're listening to When This Radio. I've got a giveaway for this episode. It's Fat Chance by Ray Comfort. Why, I think the subtitle is Why Pigs Will Fly Before We Have an Atheist President. Something along those lines. It's a great book, little, little book, short read. I thought it was great. If you want to hear more about this book, go back to, I believe it's episode 108. All links for everything will be down in the show notes at witnesstalkradio.org. You can listen to Ray Comfort, my interview with Ray Comfort himself, as we discuss this book. But, Fat Chance, great book. Go to the giveaway page at witnesstalkradio.org, link in the show notes again, and sign up. Deadline for entries is June 31st, 2017. If you don't get a chance to sign up for the giveaway or you don't win, I will also leave a link in the show notes where you can buy it on Amazon, Kindle, or paperback. A couple of quick announcements before I get out of here. I am about to embark on a journey to California. That's right. At the end of this week, I'm going to sunny Los Angeles to go see my buddies, my bros, my friends at Living Waters for their Living Waters Ambassadors Academy. Please pray for me, and please pray for everybody that's going to this event. It's going to be an amazing time of fellowship and training, and I'm hoping to bring a lot of stuff back to share with you, listener. But may God be glorified in whatever happens there. Answers in Genesis Conference is coming up. I will be there on behalf of Living Waters. Come see me. I want to see you. That's July 24th through the 27th. Repentant Witness is August 3rd through the 6th. I'm going to be there. I want to see you there. Sign up at repentantwitness.com. It's awesome. It's like four days of nonstop evangelism excitement. You need to be there. NOAA Conference, put on by Generations Ministry, August 11th and 12th. It'll be a great time, and I believe you even get free admission to the Ark Encounter if you get your tickets in time. So go to the show notes, find the links for all those events, and that's it. I'm out of here. But as I go, I'm going to play this review that came in from Ben, who wanted to share some thoughts regarding Witness Radio. If you have some thoughts you want to share with Witness Radio, please send them to me, whether audio or written, whatever. I, I want to hear from you. Okay, so please contact me via the website, witnesstalkradio.org, or go to Facebook, Twitter, a- any means you can to send me your review of Witness Radio or just your comments in general. I, I love to hear from you. Okay, now it's time for you to go. That is to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. May God bless you.
I first heard about Witness Radio from a friend of mine, and after hearing numerous episodes, I'd like to take a moment to share with you my listening experience. I have been blessed time after time by Witness Radio and always look forward to hearing new episodes. One episode, however, really stands out. In episode 111, you had a guest speaker named Trisha Ramos who founded Fish with Trish and worked alongside of Wretched Radio and Living Waters. Midway through the episode, you two discussed the effectiveness of using gospel tracks and how you never use or how you never leave the house without them. Trisha said something though that really stuck with me. She said, when I'm out and running errands, I never want to do those things in vain. After hearing this, I felt both burdened and convicted. I truly believe that God used this podcast as a means to birth a deeper desire in me for proclaiming the gospel, particularly while doing things that are not ordinarily evangelistic in nature. Since listening to Witness Radio, my wife and I started a family ministry that focuses on spreading the finished work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want this to be an encouragement to you, as you have been an encouragement to me. Keep up the good work, and may God bless you and your ministry. This show has been a production of the Muniac family. Please pray for us as we continue to minister in the tri-state area and around the globe with Christ-centered programs.